Hi guys and welcome back to the Redcoat History Podcast, the place for people who love British military history. It's an exciting day because it's the start of a new season, a short season looking at the Indian Mutiny of 1857. As usual, there's also a YouTube version of this podcast, so if you want to see the visuals, see the maps and the images, please go to my YouTube channel, which is Redcoat History. Just search for that. There's no sponsor for today's episode, so if you want to support the show, please do subscribe, leave a comment, and also consider signing up for my mailing list over at redcoathistory.com. That is free, and you get a free copy of my book all about the Anglo-Zulu War, so a good reason to join. I'll send you an email about once a month with some interesting links and updates. So for this season, I did manage to get to India. Not to all of the sites of the mutiny, but I managed to get to Delhi, to visit Kashmir Gate, to get up on the ridge, and I managed to make it to Lucknow, which is still a fantastic place to visit. If you head on over to the YouTube channel during the course of this season, you'll see video footage of those sites. Okay, I'm standing here by the Kashmir Gate in Delhi. This was the scene of some of the bitterest fighting of the War of 1857 that we know in Britain as the Sepoy Mutiny that's known here as the First War of Independence. It's a brief work trip, but I couldn't miss an opportunity to come here and use this as a catalyst for a new season of films and podcasts all about that war. In today's episode, it's going to be a short introduction to why the war happened. Why did thousands of previously loyal Indian sepoys turn against their officers, turn against their employer? It was a brutal war. And to be honest, even doing the research for this got a bit depressing. In future episodes, I'll be looking at some of the key engagements of the war, particularly here at Delhi and also in Lucknow. But for now, sit back and let me explain why it all happened in the first place. The 10th of May 1857 was a hot day in the garrison town of Meerut, northeast of Delhi. The Indian sepoys and the sours of the Bengal cavalry were angry. 85 of their colleagues had just been put in jail for refusing to fire the new Enfield rifle. Suddenly there was a commotion. Men were running. Muskets were being gathered. The sowers of the 3rd Bengal Light Cavalry were rushing to the jail to release their comrades. Gunshots rang out around the town. Smoke could be seen billowing above the bazaar. Local civilians joined in the chaos. Soon it was a full-scale riot. Any Christian unlucky enough to be caught by the mob was attacked and many were killed. The British officers, shocked at what were happening, were very slow to respond. By the time European troops were organised and sent out to confront these mutineers, it was too late. They were already on the road heading to Delhi where they hoped to encourage the Mughal Emperor Bahadur Shah Zafar to join them and lead a general uprising against the East India Company. The war had begun. But how did we get to this point? Let's go back a little bit. Over the previous 100 years since the Battle of Plassey in 1757, well covered on this channel, the British East India Company had been expanding across the Indian subcontinent. They had recently advanced into the areas of Sindh and Punjab. But they had been exposed and embarrassed during the retreat from Kabul in 1842. A retreat that saw the Indian sepoys, as much as anybody, suffer horrifically. Those sepoys and their families who weren't killed in the retreat were often captured and then sold into slavery. It's important to mention this because that retreat and the ineptitude of many British officers had a profound effect on the soldiers of the Bengal East India Company's army. It was clear now that the British were not invincible and perhaps might actually be on the decline. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. 
Let's take a quick look at the sepoys themselves. Who were these men? What was their background? Where did they come from? Well, firstly, it's worth pointing out that there were actually three presidency armies in India ran by the East India Company. There was the Bombay Army, Madras, and Bengal. And it's Bengal, the Bengal Army, that I'm going to focus on here today, because it was that army that was at the centre of the mutiny. The men of these regiments were mainly recruited from the northern provinces of India, places like Bihar and Avad, or Oud as it's often written. They were generally high caste Hindus, strong men, physically imposing and incredibly devout. Their religion was a huge part of their life and it was at the heart of everything they did. We're talking about men so devout that even the shadow of a Christian passing across their food would mean they wouldn't eat it. The same men who would follow a white officer's orders to go to their death storming a breach would refuse to share a glass of water with the same man. And it was this piety that was at the heart of the uprising. But of course there were other reasons too. There was a thing called batter, which was hardship pay. That got cut for service in places like Sindh. And of course there was that slow rate of promotion, which meant even a very experienced, very knowledgeable local recruit could never be more senior than the youngest, greenest British ensign straight from England. You could really see how that would wrangle. And that relationship with those white officers had really begun to decline in recent years. It seems that many of the new officers lacked an understanding of their men, spent little time with them, and often struggled to speak Hindi or Urdu. The recent British annexation of Avad, the state where the city of Lucknow is situated, had also seen a very negative response. Many of the sepoys were from this region, and they were livid at the way the East India Company had deposed their Nawab, or their king. There was also a very powerful, growing concern within the army that the British were trying to convert them to Christianity, that they wanted to undermine their religion. This was something even the most loyal sepoy would not stand for. The warning signs should have been clear to the British. There were previous examples of mutinies, for example at Velour in 1806. Over a hundred Europeans were killed after the local sepoys were told they had to wear leather and remove their caste marks. And more recently, in 1855, Muslim Sowers of the 3rd Native Cavalry had attacked Brigadier Colin Mackenzie with swords after he forbid them from celebrating the Shia festival of Muharram. But all of these problems came to a head over the issue of a new rifle. This does get complicated, so let me try and keep it simple. It was all about this weapon, the Enfield, aka the P-53, a muzzle-loading rifled musket. The rifled musket was an important development for British infantry. It gave them an improved range and accuracy over the old smoothbore musket. A rifled barrel has grooves in it that allows the bullet to spin, come out straighter. In fact, some authors call the Enfield Britain's first modern infantry weapon. At some point, I plan to make an entire video on how that weapon changed the face of warfare and took us to where we are now in terms of modern light infantry tactics. But that's a story for another day. The problem with the new weapon was that rumours quickly began to spread that the bullet was greased with cow and pig fat and as it had to be bit to be loaded, you could see how that would be a problem. Because as we've discussed, those sepoys, those Hindus and Muslims were incredibly religious and the thought of polluting themselves with anything related to cow and pig fat was just totally anathema to them. And it seems their fears weren't totally without basis. When pushed, even British officers couldn't actually confirm exactly what fat had been used. In January 1857, a number of senior Indian soldiers expressed their concern over this to their officers. 
And so the decision was made that the Indian sepoys would be allowed to grease their own cartridges using things like ghee or wax. This seemed like an obvious solution, but it was too late. The trust had been lost, and those rumours continued to spread, making an even deeper divide between the British and their Indian soldiers. Before long, the anger continued to grow, and many, many sepoys declared their intention to refuse to fire the new weapon. And so we come full circle and return to Meerut, where at the end of April 1857, Lieutenant Colonel George Carmichael Smythe decided to put his cavalry soldiers to the test and organise a firing parade. 85 of the 90 men who were tasked with firing the weapon in front of the parade refused. They were then charged and later put in jail. It was those men that were freed on the day the rioting broke out. They were seen as heroes by their colleagues for standing up for what they believed in. The Indian Mutiny, the Sepoy Mutiny, or what in India is known as the First War of Independence, had now begun. So stick with me because over the next few episodes I'll be looking at the uprising that followed in Delhi where the oldest recipient of the Victoria Cross earned his award. We'll be walking along the ridge where the British later dug in for their siege. Looking at the grave of the great John Nicholson who historian William Dalrymple calls an imperial psychopath. And of course we'll be travelling to the city of Lucknow and paying our respects at the residency where a small British force was besieged. It's a fascinating and heroic story and I managed to get there and get my own pictures so you're going to really enjoy that. Make sure to like and subscribe and I'll see you soon.